Welcome to the podcast M&A War Stories. You're joined by your hosts, Robert Heaton and Toby Tester. Each week, we walk through M&A projects where we've been involved in the course of our careers, unpacking the good, the bad, and the ugly. Our purpose in doing this is to leave you, the listener, with valuable lessons and experiences that you can use in your own M&A projects. So without wasting any more time, let's get this podcast underway. Hi, Robert. Here I am. Here's Toby Tester here up in uh, Sydney. How are you down in uh, Melbourne? Oh, we're celebrating. We're, 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 we're celebrating because we've now achieved a world first. Yes. We are the only city that has been locked down the longest worldwide. Nobody can beat us. Yay. That's great. That's <laughs> oh, good these first, Robert. Excellent. Oh, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. What, a, what an achievement. We've worked hard for it. Good, good, good. You've had your fair share of rights as well around the lockdown. So that's, well, there you go. <laughs> anyway, Robert, we just as a little recap, we've been talking about M&A disasters. Yeah. And we did story after story. And I was fascinated telling those stories. I mean, it was amazing as we go through and you think, how can it get oh. any worse? And I think once we finished those stories, we started thinking about, well, let's look at leadership because we came to the conclusion jointly that everything to do with M&A success and failure or basically comes back down to leadership, but always does. Yeah, it and does. we've been doing a series of podcasts about leadership and yeah. This time round, Robert, you have been thinking about this a, quite, a fair bit about M&A leadership, and you would like to sort of introduce sort of the, the topic and really talk about sort of leadership competence and with a couple of examples. Have I sort of got that correct? Well, so I was just doing, you know, one of those idle moments, sitting down, mm. thinking about this topic. Yeah. And I started off thinking about a couple of, leaders that I've had the privilege of working for who mm. were exceptional, right? And um, they were exceptional because they managed the entire spread of an organization. These were people who could charm the board. They could mm. walk into a board meeting and they could charm the board with their vision and their strategy. Yep. They could command the respect of shareholders and investors, and yep. investor meetings, right? But they could equally turn around, walk onto the shop floor, and get everybody on their side. And yep. you know, I, and and I sort of sat down and I thought, yeah, but hang on, I can count these people on less fingers than I've got on one hand. Well, isn't that always the case, though, Robert? You know, what you just explained is a bit of a rare quality. I mean, it is, and it's great when you see it. <sighs> well, it, it got me thinking about it, and I'm hmm. thinking, okay, so. In the perfect world, in M&A, hmm. if you're a leader that can get the board excited about an acquisition hmm. and sit down with investors and, and Wall Street and get hmm. them excited about your vision for the future hmm. and then get everybody in the business lined up and excited about what they need to do to make it happen, right? that's, that's the perfect storm. You know, yes. that, yeah, it is. That, but that's back to those very few people. So it, it got me thinking. It's mm. like, okay. And I immediately thought of two leaders that I've had the privilege of working with or I've, I've come across. And, and I thought, okay, one of them's got 
expertise at the top end of the tree. The other one's got expertise at the bottom end of the tree. Hmm. And I was thinking, okay, where's when the, you say where's the, the top right end balance? of the tree and the bottom end of the tree, just just expand that one. Let me let me try let me try and go through the examples and okay. that will make it clear. Okay. All right. Okay. So in example number one, this this was a global engineering business, very well respected brand. Hmm. Okay. The group CEO was a heavy risk taker, but very finance focused individual. Right. When you say uh, risk taker, was he like diligent risk taker? Whilst you might say he was a risk taker, was he? You, you would you would say he was a um, high risk taker in the right. now. Now, luckily, two of the, two or three of the last acquisitions or strategic directives that he'd driven paid off, mm. right? But only after the board had been holding their breath somewhat. Right. So he was one of those. He was right, okay. his visions were grandier. Yeah. And people on the board were going, oh, really? Do you, uh, yeah. you know? Yeah. But he pulled them off, right? And he won the board and the shareholders over. Yeah. Right. And almost doubled the share price at the same time. Right. And that's fine. But internally, from director level, he was a demanding taskmaker. Mm-hmm. Right. His personality with directors was aggressive. Right. And below director level. When you say directors, are you talking like C-suite people or like? I'm talking, I'm talking divisional, divisional, divisional managers. Okay. Yeah. Operational okay. directors. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Below that level. Yeah. Hardly anybody ever saw him. Okay. I certainly okay. never heard from him. I've certainly worked with CEOs who've been like that, who operated at the board and investor level, and you you rarely saw them otherwise. Yeah, um, this, this, this guy was classic ivory tower, lived up in the you know ninth floor of the corporate boardroom, hmm, uh, hmm. engaged exceptionally well with the board, etc. Right, but you know, beyond, the, yeah, go on, no, go on. Go well, on. I was going to say it's interesting because one of the qualities of a CEO, especially in an M and A context, is to manage the board, because as you and I have seen, so often M and A failure has been down to the CEO, him or herself, and the way they work with the board. And if yeah. the board isn't properly engaged, if there isn't a transparent exchange of thoughts and ideas, expression of strategy, if that's not there, then that spells doom potentially for an M&A deal, and even more so if that CEO is unable to communicate effectively and gain investor, shareholder, raising capital, whatever it may be for that. And so from an M&A context, that to me is absolutely critical and a primary success criteria for a CEO when it comes to M&A leadership. And I would agree. And, you know, I would go on to say that at the end of the day, it's the board and the chairman that appoints the CEO. And so that's where your responsibility lies. And they appoint you to steer the strategic direction of the business and improve the lot of shareholders. Yes. Yes. But, but of course, if you if you can do that at a high level, but yep. you haven't got the mechanism of actually putting your plan into practice, then then there's a, a, a disconnect. Mm, yeah, it's interesting. Now, yeah, go on. Now, go on, on go that on. point, let me talk about example two. Okay. Now, this actually was a, a, a lady that I, I, I actually knew quite well. She was a visionary. 
very accurately predict the next technology wave. She was a brilliant communicator and motivator, and she could get the development teams and the internal organization on her side yeah. and get them committed to working tight deadlines, Sundays, mm, 11 mm, o'clock mm. at night, the lot. Customers loved her to death. Yeah. And everybody said she was almost the key to why the company had 80% customer loyalty. Yep. Right. Now, at the board level, share performance under her leadership was modest. Yep. It had been consistent, steady over mm. the years. Mm. Right? Her relationship with the board was reasonable and respectful, yep. right? But she had some dissenters who would like to see a more aggressive CEO. Yep. And she also didn't like talking to Wall Street to invest. Mm. And so she very often put the group CFO hmm. in front of those people whenever it was possible. Yep, yep. So on the one hand, example one, you've got a CEO who's really good at the board level, hmm. risk taker, but hardly ever engages below director level. Yep. And example two, you've got someone who's sort of okay at the board level, modest, yep. but excellent at driving uh, strategy into operational reality through the organization. Uh, I, would, I would say, Rob, based upon those two, I still think that example one, at least in an M&A context, is more critical because of the fact that when we've gone through the M&A disasters <laughs> in the past, we've realized just how important it is for the boards to be engaged, shareholders to be engaged, and the CEO to be able to tell the story and also get the board to work with you through an M&A deal. Now, with regards to example two, and this um, lady CEO who's visionary and who's always being able to predict the next technology wave, she sounds like operationally she was very good. And if I may say, she has often seen that role being done by a chief strategist or a chief marketing officer or it could be a chief commercial officer. So it sounds like her role overlaps potentially what other functions that could be done in an organization. And whilst it's very good to have that cheerleading, others can do that as well, potentially. Yeah, um, I agree. I in agree. an organization, but not necessarily the board and the investors and the shareholders, which is so critical, I think, for, for M&A success. That's exactly where I got to, because okay. if you're a CEO, your prime responsibility is to the board, to the chairman, and yep. to the investors. And your prima facie role mm. in life mm. is to improve shareholder return on investment. Yes, it is. Yes. Right? Yep. End yep. of. Yep. Right? And you've got to have the ways and means of being able to both plan for that mm. and achieve it. Mm. Uh, but what it got me what it, what it got me thinking about was okay, in both of those examples, both of those people were in CEO's positions. Yes. By the way, the relationship with the board was fractured slightly because this CEO was a high risk taker. And yes, he'd been lucky enough that two or three of the strategic deals had been successful, yep. but there were people on the board sort of going, eh, it's only a matter of time before we go down the um, yep. gaga. So it got me thinking, it's like, okay, as a leader in industry, yes, 
your responsibility as a CEO is primarily to your chairman and your board because they're the ones that hire you. Your responsibility is external to your shareholders and Mm. you need to be good at communicating to those channels. But I then sort of stopped and went, okay, but as a CEO, you also need to be aware of your weaknesses Mm. um, so that you can put alternative measures in place for those areas where you are not as proficient as you should be. And and I'll go back to this example number one. The guy in question, when it came to dealing with anyone below director level, he was a bully. Yep. He was a demanding bully, right? And below director level, you got the feeling if you had to engage with him, and I had to engage with this guy on a number of occasions. Yeah. And you, you felt like walking out and going to the restroom and looking in the mirror to see whether you'd got a barcode stamped on your head with your asset number on it. Yeah. Because he he just treated people as disposable assets. That was it. Mm-hmm. He, almost a disdain for the fact that he had to pay you to do something in order to mm-hmm. get the job done. And in that particular case, nobody ever tackled that. And that 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 pervasive I don't know what I want to call it, mindset yeah. penetrated through the business. Yeah. I look uh, I this this is a challenging one, Robert, because it's like you've you've put up two examples here of leadership types. One is this global engineering business where the CEO was very good at the at the top end with investors yep. and, and shareholders and the board. And then you had another CEO, example two, who was very good at the bottom end. In other words, very good with people, very good at communicating and motivating others. And then my thought is, well, that sounds fine, but from an M&A leadership perspective, I see example one being very important because of the stories we've told ourselves about how the board hasn't been involved, weren't playing their role of moderators or investors being duped, didn't realize what they're investing in or the like. I see that as being particularly important from an M&A. But I agree with you that from a general perspective, more broader management perspective, a growth perspective, then your your female CEO who is a visionary was the better example or better role model. Uh, yes, and, and but at the end of the day, mm. when you bring it down to performance KPIs, mm. right, uh, the share performance of the business was was modest. Yeah, which is in so. Fact, in know, fact, it yeah. was below the. The, the KPI for the rest of the year, mm. but it was it was stable and modest, and it's a bit like one of those stocks where yeah, well I could I can invest in this. It's never going to you know earn me a matzah, but I can be guaranteed yeah. that on a long term investment over the next ten years, it will steadily yeah. plod along at plod along at five percent. Yeah, but the thing is, though, of course, uh, Robert, is that you gave two examples, and you were there for a time being. With this individual, your first example, that person may have been successful with a couple of acquisitions, but if you stretch that out for a longer period of time, their next acquisition or whatever could well have been a disaster and stained that person's reputation. Yes. and But you didn't get to see that because this is a problem we have is that 
Yes, you've got to keep the board on side and that sort of thing. But you've got to be transparent. You've got to be honest. You've got to have the good qualities to to be straight with the investors, with the board when it comes to M&A so that they understand fully all the risks and they're all in it together. And, you um, know, if you, if you think that through mm. with that example, mm. at the end of the day, that CEO has to convince his chairman to support him. Yeah. Because it's the chairman that hires him. Yeah. I mean, the phrase that comes to my mind with that particular group CEO was he was always skating on thin ice. <laughs> yeah. Right. And But if you've got a board that, even though they might be holding their breath, continues to say, yep, okay, go for it. Mm. Right. Well, then they're complicit in the decision to take that risk. Sure. That's where the balance between the CEO and the board needs to play out. Similarly, on the other example, with with the lady that uh, I was referring to, Mm. the same principle applies. Mm. You would hope that the board and the chairman sit down when their regular reviews with the CEO and say, look, you know, the board's comfortable with what you're achieving, but we're not really excited about where this business is going. Mm. We're just really treading water, and the board will be looking for for more growth beyond what you're currently achieving. Mm-hmm. Mm. But and, and th- I think when you come back to the lessons here, one thing we can put on the on the whiteboard straight away mm. is the CEO's got to be focused on supporting the board, performing for the shareholders, and ideally being a good performer with external analysts looking at the the, the company's performance. And that's that almost from this conversation is a given, isn't it? It is pretty much so. Because, Rob, when we're talking about difficult topic here, and I always think of it from an M&A perspective, and I think to give the board their support in making such a crucial decision and being able to be a good individual who can do that well, I think from an M&A perspective, it's absolutely critical. Yeah, I do also. What what I wanted to just come to, though, as a sort of a quick summation, is that it is still important if you're working in a business, you, you want to see your CEO from time yep. to time and you want him to stand up and give you the, the certainty about what a great business this is and where it's going and so on. And that itself is good communication, is skill yep. of a CEO. And I'm, I'm, I was sitting there going, okay, so, and I, I sort of know the answer to this. It's like, so if you find yourself in, a, in that number one CEO's position, hmm. He would have never, never even recognized or accepted that he had to do something to communicate internally. Because mm. from, from his point of view, he, he, you know, didn't give a flying what's it. Right? Mm. He, was only, he was only concerned with the share price and what was happening upwards. And he did not care how that was impacting mm the organization, they were there just to do his bidding. Mm. And so I sat down and thought, okay, so what can you do as a CEO? Mm. And as I say, I know the answer to this because I've seen one example, or actually seen a few, 
where CEOs have at least recognised their weaknesses and they purposely cultivated other people within the organisation that could do that on their behalf. Sure, sure. But what I will say in the examples I've seen, they've done that in a way so that it's not someone else doing that for them. Mm. That CEO is still there. Mm. Yep, yep. So if there's a big company meeting of some sort, it isn't a question of, oh, well, I, I don't do those, so the, the operations director or the operations vice president's the guy that does those. Mm. No, they've always put it in place whereby they are still the primary person on stage. Sure, sure. And they have a statement that they want to make, mm. and they normally do it in a such a sense of how excited they are and the vision yeah. for the future and so on. And let me bring Tom on stage so that we sure. can get down into the detail of that and show you why it's such a fantastic opportunity for everybody that's here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But without that, if you miss that, you're in danger of the operational side of the business disconnecting from your vision. Sure, sure, sure. It's interesting because, again, I think from an operation, from an M&A perspective, there's three types of success, I think, when it comes to M&A. You have strategic success, you've got financial success, and you've got operational success. And you need to have all three. I mean, because strategic success sometimes is just simply by doing the deal. Just by doing the deal, you can strategically get what you want to achieve. And financial yeah. is just simply making sure that it's accretive from a shareholder perspective and that you achieve that. And then that is financial. But on the operational side is actually the harder one to achieve because that's getting the nuts and bolts of two organizations to work together in a way that delivers the operational improvements, which inevitably boosts the shareholder value even further. But you've got to get that right. Um, that's often the hardest thing to get right. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And that's, that's what I think that's the conclusion okay. from this conversation is that pay homage to one end of the scale and completely ignore the other no, end. No, you can't. No, no, no. Um, I, I agree. I agree. I, and maybe, maybe uh, to be honest, Robert, I think maybe, maybe just a, some three bullet points perhaps from your perspective of the, the key lessons from our chat. Yeah, and I think, Number one, straight yeah. away, without any need to think about it any further, is mm. we, we've agreed. The CEO has got to be focused on supporting the board and the shareholders and well, presenting okay. the right image to external analysts. Right. Per okay. Period. Okay. Right. Good. Okay. Um, where you find yourself in a position where your ability to communicate and motivate downwards is hampered or limited hmm. it's in your interest to find and cultivate a person or persons that that can perform that function for you okay but the third message from my point of view is that whilst you may well do that you do not allow those people to be a 100% substitute. So when mm. there is a need to talk to the organization, mm. you still need to be there. Okay. Okay. And, and you still need to be leading the conversation in some way, 
even if someone else then comes along and lights the fireworks, so to speak. Okay. Well, it's, I must admit, Rob, it's, this has been a particularly interesting conversation around CEO leadership with the two examples you've given and the three lessons, I think, are seriously useful indeed. So this has been a good... I should uh, try and wrap up here because I think next we'll get together again in another couple of weeks. And yep. uh, what we'll do is we'll go down the leadership path again and we'll talk about the integration manager role because see, this time we've been talking about the CEO. What I'd like to talk about is the four different types of integration manager that you can actually have for MMA deal and the pluses and minuses with each one of them. Yeah, no, I think that will be really worthwhile uh, okay. because what's what's occurring to me is we're now starting to talk about leadership and we're dissecting all of the particular elements of what we call leadership. Yes, indeed. And this has been, as, as you say, the CEO end, yep. right, uh, which is strategy and vision. Yep. And yeah, when we talk in two weeks' time, We'll talk about turning that into operational reality and Indeed. how that leadership materializes in the business. Yes, yes. It's very, it's very much on the executing side. Well, we should be back in uh, two weeks' time then. And okay. uh, all that leaves is for me to say bye for now. Goodbye, uh, Robert. I hope uh, <laughs> we don't have too much of this lockdown going on. Hopefully, it'll be all over by, by in two weeks' time. Who knows? Oh, look out Look out for the plaques that go up that show that Melbourne is number one in the world for being locked down for the longest period of time. <laughs> Good stuff. We'll okay. talk again soon. Okay, okay, Rob. Cheers. Cheers Thank you. Bye. Bye.